This is an ABC podcast. So Ayla, now that you are, how old are you? 13. 13. Have you felt any new challenges? Yeah, kind of look at other people and you you try to change yourself and find yourself, but it's kind of hard when you compare yourself to everyone else. I've definitely felt pressure from parents for getting maybe better school grades or deciding on what I want to do after school. Probably what I would have struggled the most with would be school-related things, so either managing kind of assessments and things or maybe issues with friends at school. Seriously, who'd be a teenager again? It was rough enough the first time and thankfully I didn't have to have the whole stage with all my muck-ups, all my hair documented on social media like our teens do today. I think the tween and teen years are a tough time for all kids, but depending on your gender, they can be tough in really different ways. Hello, I'm Maggie Dent and in this Parental As Anything, we'll navigate the good, the bad and the intensity of raising a teenage girl today. Last episode was about the lads during their tweens and teens and later this season we'll talk about what life can be like for kids who are transgender or non-binary. But in this episode, we'll get some tips for helping our tween and teen girls navigate this intense and emotionally charged time of their lives. I can't think of a better person to chat about this than Michelle Mitchell, an author and, like me, a former teacher and the founder of the health promotion charity, Youth Excel. Michelle, we know that language is evolving and so is our understanding of the social constructs of gender. And in this conversation about teenage girls, we're not trying to suggest that all girls do this or that the behaviours we discuss are exclusive to girls. In fact, we now know that some of these behaviours occur because of the social constructs of gender, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about that later in the season. So let's get into the physical stuff. Puberty, hormones, periods, brain development. We know it's all happening earlier for tweens. How important is it for adolescent girls and their parents to understand what's going on as their bodies change? I'm a big believer in communicating to all tweens about puberty. So there's this window of opportunity I feel like we have before the roller doors go up and they actually become teenagers. And if we can get a lot of education in beforehand, it sets this foundation for the years that lie ahead. But I think our girls, Maggie, they particularly benefit from education and they almost seek it out. They're searching for meaning to make sense of their story and to hinge their experiences on something. And particularly around the ebb and flow of their hormones and how that affects their relationships. I think girls need as much education as they can around those points. So we know we have these significant brain changes, which when I was a teen, I didn't know about. When I was teaching, I didn't know about. And particularly in the limbic brain, the emotional brain. Mm. And it does intensify the emotions for both Mm -hmm. boys and girls during uh, early adolescence, particularly. (laughs) I can remember being a really dark, moody teen that slammed a few doors. So can you tell us a little bit What's happening for today's teen girls and moods? 
Yeah, I remember that too, Maggie. Those moments where you felt like your emotions were literally um, suffocating. On fire. <laughs> oh, turbocharged, overshadowing your very soul and it was so intense. And I think as parents we can very quickly forget um, how intense it actually is to be a teenager, especially a teenager girl. I really worry about girls labelling themselves in a fixed, unhealthy way and defining themselves by those worst moments. So I hear girls saying that I'm troubled or I'm too sensitive or I'm too needy or I'm hard to get along with, but it's not a really fair reflection of the person that they're growing into. And sometimes when those emotions hit and they hit hard, our girls can actually feel really deeply ashamed about being, you know, uh, impossible to control and having some big emotional outbursts. And I want our girls to be comfortable in their own skin and really lean into even the intensity that they feel sometimes. I want them to become even friends with the extremities of what they go through. I think it's also validating you know, that this is a kind of normal part of this massive transition rather than it being exceptional and that they need to talk about it with their friends or aunties or whoever females can have been through this journey. You touched on those ways they see themselves and I remember working with a group of girls um, in a college and I asked them to write down some of the automatic negative thoughts that are really mm. crowding their minds, that are creating some of those big feelings. Mm-hmm. And they gave them to me and I nearly cried because mm. there's this room of what I can see beautiful young 15, 16-year-old girls That's and right. what I read on those pages and a lot of it was around their body image. They were fat, they were ugly. And so this has increased these concerns around the digital highway. So What suggestions do you have for parents of teen girls today, how they can kind of help them understand their bodies and, can we say, start to accept them because it's tricky when you're a teen? Yeah, they're living in a culture where there's so many social constructs around beauty and what's in their newsfeed is often reinforcing their worst fear about their body so that it's going to be judged or criticised or compared or undervalued or even used. Now, one of the challenges that today's girls have is that um, the pressure to share images. So when people don't accept those or validate those, which is what they're seeking, it's even more harmful and more challenging for them because it's not who they, you know, they put out this excellent version, like modified Mm. version of me and you still don't like me. They're so socially aware, our girls, and oftentimes many of our girls are very tuned in to what other people think about them and how they're being perceived. And I think about girls being like a bit of a book. They've got a cover and they've got an inside story, and that cover is the person that they want people to believe that they are. And social media so plays into that because they're often putting things out there for really that validation inside that they need, yet they're not asking directly for it to the people that can give it to them. And so our challenge as adults, I think, is to stay connected to that inside story and to be very attuned to what's going on inside of girls because they're very good at putting those masks on. Oh, that's exactly what I talk about with them. What's the mask they've put on? Because we see the mask in our classrooms and we need them yeah. to be able to somehow rather put that mask down at some point and let them find out who they are because that search for identity is incredibly important. My worries about her are being happy, making sure she has the right choices about what she wants to do with her life. And she's quite bright, so I don't really think that I need to be worried too much. She's quite independent in a lot of ways. She's very forward thinking. She thinks about her future. She thinks about her friends. She cares about people in her life. 
Certainly emotional highs and lows, certainly changes in temperament and sometimes just really strong feelings of anxiety or feeling funny and not being able to verbalise why and ups and downs. Well, she's a lot more secretive since she's been a teenager, which is fine. You know, to put it in a nice way, she's become more independent, which is great. But I'm obviously still concerned for her safety. That's the most confusing thing is she doesn't tell me as much as she used to and we're not quite as close as we used to be, even though we still are. There's just a barrier there now. We know all about puberty as the time that girls can get very hormonal and, yes, periods can start. So we know mums and stepmums and auntie figures and a lot of our female teachers really are the ones that often help girls around this. But I want to ask you, what role do dads, father figures or even, even a supportive brother have to support our girl through that side of puberty. Yeah, I say to girls, every girl needs a man in their life who cares about whose arm is around you. And whether that is a big brother or a grandparent or a dad, it's a powerful role in girls' lives. And I've seen dads strike this incredible balance between privacy and acknowledgement. This little injection of humour often comes with it. (laughs) (laughs) So many single dads are bringing up girls as well and they're faced with the challenge of talking to girls about hormones and, you know, periods and all the rest of it. And I want dads to know that girls so desperately want you in their space but they're not even sure if you know about this stuff they're really not yeah and dads girls are big communicators and once you probe that door open very gently they'll tell you where to take it from here so their comfort level will let you in to the degree they're ready to but being the one who's prepared to just probe that door open a little bit is just is priceless in a girl's life Having healthy boundaries absolutely Mm -hmm. helps everybody navigate life better and teens are constantly working this out. And during a time where they actually want more autonomy and independence because that's biologically what they're meant to be doing. Yes. And also where do I belong? Um, You write about picking your battles and Mm -hmm. having in-charge energy for parents and I love it. So can you explain (laughs) what you mean? I speak to parents about this a lot and particularly mums because let's face it, parenting a teenage girl can be emotionally exhausting. And so we want to be able to say yes to our girls as much as we can. Our girls actually need a really diverse range of life experiences to build resilience. So if it's mild to moderate risk and with every freedom that comes, there is a risk associated with it. But if it's mild to moderate, we do not need to let them explore life. But when we really have to say no, when we have to be that guy rail around their lives, we need our batteries charged because saying no to a girl <laughs> is like, you know, red rag to a bull. And I find myself talking to parents about in-charge energy a lot because when they come to the table without it, three things happen. You have more of an intolerance for the emotional journey and we all know that our girls need to feel emotional connection to feel safe. We get really unrealistic about our expectations, but we also lack the parental presence that gets our requests over the line. So not everything needs to be a negotiation in our homes. And I know sometimes we just need the dishwasher unpacked and we need it unpacked now. And the only answer right now I can accept is yes, mum, you know, and I learned about this. In alternative learning schools, when I would go in to teach a classroom of kids who did have behavioural challenges, if I didn't come in with in-charge energy, they would smell fear, Maggie. I would get mowed down. It's the balance between the two because if you're in in charge energy all the time, you're going to have rebellion. And if you're too soft, they're going to walk all over you and those boundaries aren't going to be there. The ones 
that we know are sometimes about things, you know, like parties or alcohol or whatever mm. it is or time online, they actually still need growing up supporting those boundaries. In one of your books, you wrote about girls and the way that they treated their mums. And I came across this so often when I was counselling. And mm. often it was really badly. Really, and really yet, badly. <laughs> really, really badly. And yet they could tell us that they actually love their mum. What's going on here? Oh, let me speak to the heart of mums because this is one of my favourite topics to talk about because girls are often got their boxing gloves on and they're puffing their chest out and they're wanting to be independent and they can hurl the most horrendous things and I hate you and the worst mum in the world and the door slams and we can buy into that so easily when really the reality is is that you're just annoying her right now and it can be... (laughs) We annoy them a lot. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And this can be so cutting for mums to the point where it can really squash their confidence and you make your poorest parenting decisions when you don't feel confident. So we have to remind ourselves that our girls have to push away, you know, but we want them to push away in a safe way. But there are times where they might get a little bit launched and attack us and feel like they need to give us a big shove away to get their independence. And I guess if I can say anything to mums, it's this is, Girls are looking for their needs to be met outside of the family, but we are often still dreaming of cosy chats in coffee shops and we're looking <laughs> we're looking to our relationship with our girls to get some of those relational needs met. And that's a dream sometimes we have to let go of for a little while. And it's sometimes our neediness as a mum that actually pushes them away. We desperately miss the little girl that we feel like we're losing. And there's an energy attached to that and sometimes we've got to really dull that down and stop probing and asking those leading questions, but rather just be soft and close with our girls and recognise that they need that breathing room to grow up. So let's be honest, very few teenagers come right out and tell their parents when they're having a problem. And girls do tend to test the waters a bit more than our boys. So what are some tips for deciphering teen girl language and realising when they are really asking for help? Mm. Well, they never come right out and say, I've had a bad day. Can you help me recover, mum? Do they? I mean, they just don't. But whenever, <laughs> whenever their emotion is disproportionate to the situation, we have to stay close. And we know our girls. We know when something's up. So they might just hang around. They might ask nonsense questions. They might talk late into the night about nothing. They might just sit <laughs> with us when they don't ever sit with us. You know, they might want their hair brushed. But this is an interesting one. They might even want to pick a fight to get our attention because it's often the quickest way for girls to get their parents fully engaged. So we have to be really aware of all of those things. And what our girls are really asking for is to borrow our calm during those moments. They need to answer those questions. Do I belong? Am I safe? Can I do this? Do I do I really matter to you? Am I enough? Before they can sometimes process the tough stuff. So our challenge is creating that place of safety around them when we know they're unsettled. One way we can practically build trust, and you talked about why trust is so important, and I absolutely support you on this one, is can they predict our response in the event of a crisis and how do we set up the safe, predictable pathways? How do you do that? It's that 
Troy asking, how do you think I'd react if you were caught sexting? Um, I found out you're taking drugs. You told me something you know would break my heart. You know, you went out with someone that I didn't like. I've sat with so many girls after sending a nude or having drunk too much at a party that they weren't supposed to be at and, you know, they weren't supposed to be drinking. And somewhere in the conversation I say to them, you know, we're going to have to, you know, talk to your parents. And they look at me and they say this, Maggie, they say, but they're going to kill me. And I say back with this smile because I know they come from loving homes. Yeah, they might kill you. But after they kill you, they're actually going to love you a lot. And what I'm pointing them to is this really predictable cycle that they've seen time and time again that nothing can actually separate me from the love of my parents. And I know I've had these conversations with my own kids along these lines because every time they walk out the door, we cannot control what they're going to do. And if we acknowledge that, it actually leaves room for them to be imperfect. And if they choose something that might feel disappointing to me or make me, might make me feel mad or sad, I want them to know at the end of the day there's nothing too tough that we can't get through together. And the, mm. the cracking point or the moment where I have found girls, you know, break in tears is oftentimes when I've asked them, would your mum want you to handle this alone? And deep in their heart, they know yeah. that there's the bond with their parents that, you know, they can't get anywhere else. That's not easily broken. Can parents try too hard to fix things for our girls when they do those muck-up moments? We sure can, but they're the moments where we move away from trust and trusting in our child's journey. Their journey is really key in seeing their own resilience flourish and our trust actually affirms their strength and capacity and trusting means that we we rely on something from a place of confidence and when we trust that our children are capable, we actually choose to rely on their ability to make the next best step. Most teenagers can't make the best decision, you know, for a week's time or a month's time or five years' time but often inside of them is that very next best step for their lives and we really have to lean into that because their life is their very own gift and ultimately it's theirs to navigate. Her friendship seems to have stayed the same. Sometimes the dynamics stay change within the group, but that's what you expect though as they're growing up, the ones changing at different stages. She's changed friends quite a few times. She's changed schools um, and it's a bit hard to keep up with sometimes. Both my children fortunately have a really lovely group of friends at school, but Certainly just more sensitivity to things that can be happening within friendship groups, yeah. Michelle, as a former high school teacher and counsellor, I've seen how intense friendships between girls can get. (laughs) Talk to me about the nature of friendships in teen girls. Yeah, and it really is that tough mums. There's be some parents out there who are saying themselves, is my girl just dramatising? Or, But no, it really can be tough. And females are very relational beings, you know. At the centre of their world is often their friendships. And what many girls fail to understand is that relationships go better when healthy limits are set and respected. So they're not just set, they're held. And I often talk to girls about this 50-50 principle. The idea is to meet 50% of your own needs and rely on healthy relationships to meet the other 50% because no man is meant to be an island. Um, It's not up to our girls to be independent of people but to live interdependent with people. And too often times our girls are approaching friendships either meeting 100% of their friends' needs or expecting their friends to meet all of their needs and it's unrealistic and it just implodes. 
So seeing the world through this 50-50 lens is really important and to help our girls turn that strong nurturing instinct they have towards themselves can be pretty important. So questions like, you know, how can I look after myself today or what does the world have to offer me today? Is this really what I want? Is this really what I need? Those questions are really important. They spend a huge amount of time, don't they, on their friends' social media and messaging apps. And Mm -hmm. this means girls can access their friends 24-7 and it means they're also accessible 24-7. So what are your suggestions for the poor Mm -hmm. parents out there pulling their hair out (laughs) on how they can set boundaries around that while still acknowledging the obligation that girls feel to be available to their friends at least some of the time? Well, I use this 50-50 principle with them. So I look at that as a framework to negotiating how technology is used, especially around sleep and especially around bedtimes. So if there's one thing we really want to safeguard for our girls is their sleep because it's so linked to their mental health and they need to sleep. But if you have had a teenager's phone in your room at night, you will see how much teenagers do not sleep and how often they're messaging each other at night. So the 50-50 principle, being accessible to support your friends and care about your friends and being involved in their life, but also knowing when to turn that off because you need to be able to meet those needs that you have yourself and nurture yourself. So that might really practically look like in a home, making sure that phones are off at 9.30 at night and they're not charged in a girl's room. It can look like a whole range of things, but I'm surprised how many girls sleep with their phones under their pillows um, because they're so connected to their friends' needs. They, they want to be there for them. Michelle, I absolutely loved Home as the Hero message that you wrote during the pandemic. It's similar to one of my ongoing messages that home needs to be the safe base for teens to land, even our digital natives who think they don't need it, (laughs) somewhere they can find compassion, empathy and kindness. Now, how can parents do this given the tricky times and the, you know, the hot moments that you're going to have with Mm. your particularly teen girls and I think of it like riding the rapids or riding a roller coaster. There's certain flow that comes with those teenage years. And if you try and squash or suffocate that flow, it's like trying to hold back the tides. It's not going to work very well. And there's there's this capacity that some parents have to just be a little flexible and ride that wave during the teenage years that, that helps them get through it. Nigel Latter, he's a, a New Zealand psychologist, but he's got an amazing saying that says the answer for 13 is 14 and the answer for 14 is 15. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so true. And and just that capacity to realise that whatever your girl's going through right now is not going to be forever. It's a season and it's a moment in time. Thank you, beautiful Michelle, yeah. for Thank your beautiful you, time and energy and wisdom and all that you do for our beautiful tweens and teens. I just, every time there's someone with a girl question, yep, go to Michelle, please. <laughs> go to tweens, go to Michelle, please. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> She's very forward-thinking. She thinks about her future. She thinks about her friends. She cares about people in her life. Listen, I always think everything's going to turn out all right. Um, I think Arla is a is a strong-minded and independent girl. Um, she hasn't quite found her way yet, but she, I, know, I know she'll get there. Um, so I'm very proud of her for being independent. I'm very proud of her for and speaking up for herself. 
there will be days that, yep, as soon as they walk in the door, they're going to be verbally dumping their day on you, maybe slamming doors and saying some things that you wish they never said. I need you to take a really big breath and don't join the storm. This is exactly how the emotional intensity and vulnerability turns up for our girls and often it's a sign that they feel safest in their home when this happens. It's not a sign you're a lousy parent or they're a lousy teen. We do know that in the teen years, FOMO is a reality. They want to be included, especially in our friendship and peer circles. So you, as a parent, are going to have to step in sometimes and help them create healthy boundaries and have conversations about how it feels to be excluded or left out because it will happen and it still hurts. I mean, it hurts us. So one of my biggest, biggest tips is work out that bedtime one where this is it, all phones in our house disappear into a locked area and it's time for sleep. They will tell their friends they're offline from that time all the time and yes, they won't like it. However, it's our job to be their parent and it's our job to support them to be happy teenage girls most of the time. And the really biggie, just the same as it was a biggie for the boys, make sure your girl knows that you love, absolutely love them even when they don't deserve it. Make sure you have some mum or dad or auntie dates regularly and practice kindness. It's a really, really confusing time. And yes, sometimes write her a note, stick it in a lunchbox, poke it into a makeup bag, do the unexpected. They still need to hear those words. If you want more tips and suggestions for how to bring up daughters, go back to season one and listen to our episode, How to Raise Girls. Parenting author Steve Bidoff and I chat about the pressure to be sexy in the age of social media, the huge increase in anxiety among girls and the importance of strong female role models. It's not hard. You just have to make sure your daughter knows how special she is to you. If she knows that, she will have this foundation of her mental health as she goes out into the world. My dad thinks I'm great. You'll find How to Raise Girls in exactly the same place you found this episode by searching for Parental as Anything on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time, sibling dynamics. Is it unrealistic to want brothers or sisters to get along? And if they don't get along, when should you intervene and when should you stay the heck out of it? Oh, so confusing. That's next on Parental as Anything with me, Maggie Dent. Listener.